0: We'll get something going there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, the Bible said, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, God's in charge of it. The Lord gives us a measure of grace, and he knows how much we need. He knows how much, amen, we're going to have to have. Verse 8 said, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, off the Mount of Olives, of course, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Thank God for the gifts. I'm not preaching about that tonight. But verse 9 said, Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. Now here's the verse that I've been on this several times recently, even on it again tonight. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom tonight to rightly divide the Word. May, Lord, we not add anything to your Word tonight, nor may may we not take anything away from it. Lord, we don't want the curse of God on us. But I pray tonight we wouldn't hold back anything. We wouldn't add anything to it. Or take anything away from it, but Lord, we wouldn't hold back what is written already. And I pray, Lord, we'd have the unction from heaven. I pray you'd take a live coal off the altar of God, lay it upon our old terrible tongue tonight. And may we speak as the oracles of God. Lord, may we preach as we wish we had we stand at the divine judgment. Lord, I pray that we might have a loose tongue and a loose heart and a and a Lord a mind that's comprehending uh, the Word of God tonight. And I pray you direct our thoughts for the next little while. Give us something, Lord, not that we want to preach, not Lord that we might say something to please somebody, but that tonight, God, we might preach. Thus saith the Lord. We'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now looking at this tonight, I want to give you some things. and uh, Just taking some mail that I've got this week and, and uh, some experiences I've had just in the last couple of days. And I'm going to first give you something that, that ought to bless the church. We have, now you hear me talk about uh, Copper Hill, Tennessee. We've got a, a couple there that uh, give out literature in all the parts of the, of the U.S. and different uh, prisons. And it's about time for them to come. But here's their newsletter. He's got s- several things. I believe he's got uh, nine things that he says. And he says... The first thing, he just tells us, just kind of breaking the ice. But the second thing, is he talks about the Polk County Jail in Benton, Tennessee. And here's what he says. At Polk County Jail, when I enter Pod B, one inmate stated, is this brother Toby Cribs. I want all of you to meet him. Now we are going to hear some good Bible preaching in the day room too. As I entered, an inmate came up to me and said, do you remember me? He said, yes, I do. He stated it had been years since he was in jail. I said, you need to make it years plus. Having good Bible studies in each pod. Then he says, we gave out 300 of Brother Dill's booklets. Now that's number two. Then he said number three, or, uh, he's, or no, he said the uh, the second thing, or the third thing, the men have been hungry for Bible studies. I am doing pod A and pod C. This is in Fanning County Jail in Blue Ridge, Georgia. The men were excited to see me. It had been about two years since we had been there, having great Bible study time. I am the only one ministering in this jail. We gave out 300 Brother Dill's booklets. The fourth thing he said, and he talks about Bibles and birthday cards and uh, new students and had two saved. And he said... Gospel tracks nine hundred. Total of the gospel booklets thirty six hundred, and those are our tracks and our booklets. The fifth thing we gave Brother Quentin Story, Pastor of Story, Pastor of First Mascot Baptist Church in Mascot, uh, Florida. Y'all know where that's at. 600 gospel booklets of Brother Dennis deals. Brother Story has a prison ministry. Y'all know anything about him? All right, the sixth thing. Here's the jails that they have gone to and are working in. Wallace Unit, Colorado City, Texas. Howard County Jail, Kokomo, Indiana. Anchorage Cor- uh, 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 Correctional Complex, West Anchorage, Indiana. Uh, Arkansas, Trinidad Correctional Facility in Model, Colorado, Valdosta State Prison in Valdosta, Georgia, Southwest Virginia Regional Jail Authority, Hacey, Virginia, Amherst County Adult Detention Center, Madison Heights, Virginia. And then he says here, we have now reached into 800 and 37 jails and prisons. I'm telling you this because their literature goes out and then this church gets the credit. You ladies who are putting this together are being blessed and you don't really realize it. Amen. So it's being done. Then he goes on down and he said the ninth thing, worldwide literature from by uh, Joe Campbell it says. We sent him, this is something worldwide, we sent him the following literature: three thousand Brother Dill's booklets, and uh, "Who Is Jesus?" That's one of ours. The Holy Spirit of God, uh, real Bible, repentance, and the Bible doctrine of sin and the sinner. And then well, he, on the back of his financial report, he says he gives us a letter. I'm taking my time to do this because what I'm preaching tonight is very necessary, and needful. Dear Toby, hello, my name is Mullins. I'm an inmate in the Colorado prison. I'm in here for a felony, a DUI, which is no more than three. I don't know what all that means. I'll be released on a mandatory parole in about six months. I received all the Nice Lighthouse Ministries papers and reading, studying material. When I wake up in the morning, I grab my Bible and the material you sent me, and then I pray and do a Bible study. Don't you wish everybody in the church would do that? I'm writing this letter to thank you for thinking, taking your time, energy, and efforts to send me all the wonderful information. I appreciate you. And he signed it. And I just read that because that's strictly him, it wasn't with us, but... Some of the literature he's reading, I'm sure, is part of ours. And I appreciate that. And uh, I I just thank God for it. Amen. And that was from the Colorado Department uh, of of, uh, Detentions, or, you know, Department of Labor, I think it said, right there. But then I went yesterday to a place. I was going to go Saturday to Harbor Freight to buy something. And for some reason, I just couldn't get the liberty to go. go. Amen. Uh, Some folks say, I wouldn't pay much attention about going here and there. I pray everywhere I go. I don't know about you. I may go at the wrong time if I don't pray over it. So I didn't go. And I got, I had an appointment to go to Tekoa yesterday morning to see a doctor. And uh, I got up Monday and I said, well, I'll just go to the doctor uh, Tuesday and I'll just ride on down to Harbor Freight and get what I want. But I sat at the table and I studied a little while and the Holy Spirit said, you just need to go to Harbor Freight today. And you said, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care whether you believe it or not. And uh, I waited around, and the Lord said, I want you to go. I got in the truck, went to Harbor Freight, went over and bought what I was going to buy. Picked it up out of the floor, put it in the buggy, and it was nearly. I pushed the buggy, and it like to fell off, and there's a little uh, Hispanic guy right in front of me trying to buy something. And I didn't know where he could speak English or nothing, but I'm, I just reached over to grab that, and he grabbed it first, put it back on the buggy. He said, yeah, let me help you. And uh, he said, and I, I, I said something, I'm going to get something to go with it. And he said, I'll have you hunted. And I, I thought, well, I, I didn't ask him to. And he looked at me and he said, what do you do? I said, I pastor a church. He took his hand out there and shook my hand and started talking to me. And I said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? He said, I sure do. And I stand there and talk to him a little while, and it was a blessing. He could talk English, and I could talk his language with that. Amen, with with the Lord. Amen. And I I was blessed by it. And he said, "You have a great day. You have a great day." And I asked him. We went to church, and he told me. And I said, "Amen." And he he's not Catholic. Amen. And I appreciate that. All right. So uh, then. Uh, Yesterday morning then this morning, I went to McDonald's and got me a biscuit. And when I did, I had my Bible study with them three guys in there. <laughs> we have a Bible study up there. Amen. And, and we were talking. And we were talking about the world situation. And uh, they're so disturbed. They don't know which way to go. These guys, took, one of them is... Uh, Claims to be so saved, he's so mixed up, he can't figure out where he's at. But two of them, I will let you know that they're not saved. And they listen to me, and I appreciate that. And uh, I thought, hey, this is a good opportunity to talk to people like I've never seen before. Now, we've got some great preachers in the world. Somebody thinks, nah, we ain't. There's not as many as there used to be. They're dying out. We got some great preachers in our country. We've also got a country full of not so great preachers. And we've actually, if you want to be honest with you, there's more not so great preachers than there are the great preachers. And they're thinning out more and more. As the days go by. I've noticed in my 50 years of preaching. I say 50, 50 plus. i noticed in my 50 years of preaching. That the pulpit. And the pew. And the country. Has been going downhill. You won't, You go anywhere you please tonight. And you won't find... Good, strong preaching everywhere. You want me to tell you why people get upset sometimes at some of the things I preach? is because they don't hear it nowhere else. I'm not saying I'm the only one left, but I'm saying there's other preachers preach just like me and harder than I do, and I appreciate that. But there are few and far between. And we've come to society now that people don't want to hear strong preach. We've heaped ourselves teachers having itching ears. And we're living there tonight. And, uh, and you do find some preachers and pastors in this day. we are come to the place that they are specializing. You can find a preacher that can preach and about all he preaches on prophecy. I preach a lot of prophecy. You'll find another. And I know preachers now that are going up and down the country. And they're preaching things like the tabernacle. They're good at the tabernacle. They can lay the tabernacle out forwards and backwards. And everybody comes to hear them. And all that needs to be taught. I'm not not criticizing that. And I hear people Preachers preach on Old Testament survey and Old Testament economy and they're good at it. Other preachers preach on New Testament scriptures and they're good at it. And preachers have become like doctors have and begin to specialize. You remember when you went to the doctor years ago and you had a general practitioner called internal medicine? Y'all remember them days? I mean, you had a cold, he worked on you. You had a backache, he worked on your back. You limped and had an infection or something, he worked on that. And then we got into a time, a period of time, when we got into specializing medicine. And now when you go to your regular doctor, he don't know but just a few things. He can check your vitals and things and give you the test. But if you if you got something special, different, he's gonna send you to a specialist. Therefore, more money comes up. We're away from the regular doctor. You said, but that's good because a lot of people have been healed from going to something special. That's good. I guess that's right. But in churches, we've got preachers are specializing on certain things. And you know what I found out? I've seen more preachers today and listened to more preachers in this day on prophecy than I've ever heard of in my life. When I first started preaching, one might preach on a prophecy sermon over here. And one, maybe three months later, might preach on it. And and, and pastors, uh, they'd just touch on it every now and then. And now we've got them on YouTube and everywhere else. And they're preaching prophecy, 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 prophecy. They can tell it just like they think it is. And tomorrow they'll tell you something else. And I didn't see it that way. And they'll change it a little bit. But what I'm getting at is this. When it's all said and done, these people that are preaching prophecy and specializing in those things, people just swallow that hook, line, and sinker. And ain't nobody can preach it like that preacher can preach it. But I'll guarantee you, they're missing some things. You follow follow them around and walk down to Walmart. Find them out in the grocery store. Find them out in the public somewhere and they have no morals about them. They know the Bible deep and wide, but they you'll find them half naked. Come on, amen. Their wives will be dressed different. And they're supposed to have standards to them. And so these people won't care. who they dress and how they dress and where they go and what they do. That's why you got preachers in the pulpit that play the lottery. Take social drinks. Won't pay their bills. People don't care about it. They've got They've got the prophecy down right. And I'm just using one subject. These things bother me. And so they're specializing, but they have, they're have they not specializing on what they are. I believe if you're going to preach, teach, I believe you're going to witness, I believe you're going to live for God, I believe you ought to live for God. Amen. Go in a restaurant. Most of your pastors around here, not on Sunday, they'll have their little suits on. But if you go to the restaurant during the week, somebody has stole their pants legs. They think nothing of it. Somebody said, now preacher, all that don't matter. It does matter. And sometimes they go to church or in a t-shirt or a Hawaiian shirt and they ain't got enough, I don't know what you call it, Put it in their pants. Yeah. Understand? You said, preacher, why are you preaching those Because you need to know this. Amen. Need to be reminded of it. I'm gonna get into some things. Now, look at this. I realize in verse eleven, we're not in the days of the apostles, we're not in the days of the prophets that's behind us. We got a full Bible. We don't need the apostles. We don't need the prophets. God in times past in Hebrews 1 says, He spake to us in divers manners. Has spoken to us in days past with the prophets. But in these days has spoken to us by His Son. The Word of God. But now He gives us what He tells us. But what he's done for us now, he said in some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The nation's going to hell in a handbasket, if you will. And we're missing something and it's out of those three. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So I'll deal with the first one and there's another term tonight that... It's got all kinds of confusion. We don't have the right attitude about our church anymore. And about our duties as God's people anymore. So we look at this and he calls them evangelist. Now the word evangelist with an S on it is mentioned one time right here in the Bible. That's all. It's nowhere else in your Bible. But the word evangelist... Without an S, is mentioned two times. And just because it ain't mentioned don't mean that there's no such thing as an evangelist. God said they are. What is an evangelist? An evangelist, and I looked it up according to today's language, is a person who seeks to convert others to the Lord Jesus Christ and... Uh, in the public, by preaching and witnessing, that's what the evangelist is. I don't have no problem with that. The Bible calls one. We'll read these scriptures. I'll give them to you. Just go to the book of Acts, chapter twenty-one. Now, if I don't get through this tonight, I'll come back and preach the rest of it. I am not going to drag it through the mud. And cut it short. I'll finish it or I'll come back and finish it. Acts chapter 21. In verse 8. Because God troubled me with these things this morning. Acts 21 in verse 8 said. And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed. And came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip. Notice the next two words. The evangelist which was one of the seven, and abode with him. He was called an evangelist by the biblical standard. He was one who evangelized. Now we've got a lot of terms in our day, and people call it, he's an ev- evangelical preacher. This is an evangelical movement. Have you heard those things? Those are not Bible terms. He's an evangelist. An evangelist is one who goes from place to place preaching. We usually consider them those who run revivals. I said to the fellas this morning, I said, if we don't have a revival in America soon, I mean soon, I mean like in the next few days or weeks, our nation is gone. the elites and the politicians, the Democrats and the Republicans and all the other politicians are not out for trying to lift the Bible and the Word. I noticed today uh, where they said that they went to Mar-a-Lago and got out of the President's uh, abode, said that the Democrats are... All for that. And all but about 20 of the Republicans are for it. I mean, all but about 20. We don't even have enough Republicans to stand up and fight for the truth anymore. And imagine the Baptist tonight. How many Baptists could you find that'll take a stand for the Word of God? How many church members will you find that'll hang on to the Word of God and not back up one inch? You understand where I'm coming from? And if we don't stand up and get something turned around, America, as you have known, America is gone. Gone! Over! Finished! Done! We're closest to the socialism that we've ever been in. I said that a year ago, and it's more up to present tonight. And if we don't get a revival soon, we'll be in socialism quicker than you think and we'll be in communism later. We're headed in that direction. And I say that and people don't like it. They won't listen to me. They won't pay no attention. They're working on the food system. Amen. They get you hungry enough, they'll turn your head and heart. They're taking away the food system. Quickly. They are. They are. Trying to get you to eating bugs and things of that nature. Herbs and bugs. And they're getting rid of the meat. Don't want you to have meat. Amen. And you say, well, I'll just raise my own. Well, they'll stop that before it's over. Amen. And you say, preacher, I'm not, I'm not in here to be scared to death. I'm not scaring you to death. I'm trying to get you just to open... Just don't go into it dark. Just don't go into it accepting what they are saying. I don't believe half what they're telling. I've been preaching for a while. I am not a conspiracy theorist. And I don't have to be because I see it opening before my eyes. They're telling you what they're going to do. By year 2030, you won't will have a thing and they'll you'll... Be happy, they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. You say, I won't be happy. Oh, yeah, you will. Mm-hmm. You said, No, I won't be happy. Yes, you will. Because if you're not happy, you'll be dead. Right, right, right. You won't have nothing to eat. Your family won't have nothing to eat. And they'll, your little and of course, this is for you. If you're not saved, you're saved. This ain't going to happen. Not to me anyhow. I don't know how much of this we're going to have to put up with before the rapture takes place. I don't believe the church is going to go through one bit of the tribulation. I believe we're getting out of here. But I don't know how much we're going to have to have before the tribulation sets in. I don't know the rules and regulations, but they're telling a whole lot of stuff that's going to happen. I'm not into that part. And so... The Bible said in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse number 5. The Bible said, But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist. What's the work of an evangelist? Winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing them saved by the grace of God. Make full proof of thy ministry. Now, let me just give you something tonight that you might not like. Maybe you hadn't paid much attention to it. If you'll think on it, you'll, you'll say I'm right. Just off the surface, when I was a little young feller going to church, our pastor used to get evangelists in. You know what they'd do? They'd bring in an evangelist and that evangelist come in. You know what that evangelist done most of the week? He preached salvation to the lost. I said in the church as a young man, and they'd sweat themselves to death going up and down the aisle, sweat coming through their coat, sweat coming down their tie and their shirt would be wet. And they was preaching on the grace of God and the salvation of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. And they have done everything they could to plead and beg with men and women that they must come, walk down the aisle and repent of their sin and call upon God and be saved. They went a whole week with that. At the end of the week, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight or ten had come to the revival and gotten Saved. You know why? The evangelist was doing his job of trying to preach. But in the last 50 years, I've watched it change. Now pastors get evangelists to come in because there's little skin flints and won't preach nothing. And they expect the evangelist. And this is what's happening in our day. You mark it down. Notice what I'm telling you. The evangelist comes in and he starts skinning hides of people in the church telling them they ought to do this and do that and live right and live clean. Don't preach much salvation because, number one, there's not many people in there that claims to be lost. Because they've either uh, been deceived and think they're saved when they're not, or either lost people won't go to the church because somebody's made them mad. You with me? And so, pastors... In this modern day, get somebody that's good and strong and mean. They want a mean, strong preacher that'll come in and skin them up and knock the uh, knots off of them and the the bush off of them and and the, and the, and the, the, the thorns and all that and clean up his people when he ought to be the one that's doing it on a regular basis. I've always said when they come in for revival... I don't want the evangelist preaching something that I ain't already preached. I don't want the church to go out and say, "I ain't never heard that." Bless God, I want you to hear it. So, amen. I, I'm, that way, now, where it's a revival or not, I get a I get a man come in here to preach, and he, when he preaches, and he, I want you to be able at least, maybe I hadn't explained it like he did. But I preached on the same subject, it's not brand new to you. Understand? Well, evangelists, that's where they are. When we ceased to have great evangelists, we started ceasing then to have the power of God in our churches. We've got a lot of evangelists today. But let me go back and just give you some. I got to thinking about this today. And I just want to tell you about it. The first evangelist that we find in the Word of God is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Paul. They evangelized. What did they preach? They preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then we had... Several centuries back, men like Jonathan Edwards that could stand and preach with a loud voice and reach 10,000 people. He's a man who preached that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I tell you, they tried to reach souls. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, the Wesley brothers, John and Charles. They went up there as Methodists, but they preached and they evangelized. They sure did. George Whitfield or Whitefield, ever how you want. Listen, strong men with strong voices preached. D.L. Moody. I thought about Ian Paisley. I don't know where any of you heard of him or not. He's British. And he preached. Billy Sunday who would take a chair and bust it over the pulpit. That's some days gone by. Even in our day, we've had people like Billy Graham for a portion, first portion of his life, before he ever sold out to the Catholics. He was a tremendous evangelist. Matter of fact, I believe he is probably one of the the last of the strong evangelists. And they've been going downhill ever since. I'm not saying we don't have good evangelists today, but I'm saying they're not like they used to be. These men and I just named turned the world upside down. When they come through a town and preach, you knew they had been there because they had some converts behind them that went to church and lived right. People like Mordecai, Ham. Y'all may not have heard of them. But that's what they've done. Now, there's another little thing I want to mention. We had, in the Bible, we had evangelist, And in our modern day, we've got what they call also missionaries. What is a missionary? A missionary is somebody who has decided that God has called him to the mission field to preach. And he's sent out by God, and he's empowered by God, and blessed by God, and touched by God. And he gives up his everything in his country where he lives and goes to a foreign country. Paul was a good evangelist. Paul was a good missionary. Paul was a good pastor from time to time, and he's a great teacher. And we've got now, we don't have as many missionaries on foreign soil now as we did years ago because it's too, too tough. I remember in my last year, you just think about this a minute. In uh, 50 years of preaching, I've seen missionaries come home from the, soil, from the foreign soil, and now they're missionaries in America. Why would America need missionaries? Because the evangelists quit doing their job. And the people didn't want to hear it and still don't want to hear it. Do you know how many times the word missionary is mentioned in your Bible? Not one time. We call them missionaries. They are. Technically, they are missionaries. But what I'm trying to tell you is tonight that they decide. I said that a while ago when I told you what a missionary is. There are men who decide that God is sinning. But let me tell you this. And they're sent, they say, and out by a certain church. And most of you missionaries have got a home church. And they're sent. A missionary is a sent one. Amen. Like the apostle, but he's not an apostle. He's sent. Churches send them. Now we've got all messed up with this. I read in the Word of God where Paul and Barnabas, that the church laid hands on them and sent them out. And God backed all that. You with me? Now I hear them come and I've had them come and Present their work. And that's the reason I don't have many come in anymore. I guess people say, we never have no missionaries coming through. If you've been in the business of missionaries like I have, you'd want, amen. We take on one sometimes. God will impress me to take on one. And I don't take them in much. Usually I look and see what their background is. And if they come from certain places and I know what they've been taught, I ain't having them know how. And I'll explain that why later. I got a lot more to say about what I'm saying. I ain't, gonna get, I ain't running a rabbit hole here. So Paul and Barnabas were sent out. They were called missionaries, I, not in the Bible, but they were called uh, from that day forward. People do that. Then what happened is people wanted to get involved in things, and I believe churches ought to stay in. In, in touch with their missionaries to a certain degree but I don't think you have to be Lord over them if you take on some good missionaries to start with you won't have to worry about what they're doing tomorrow had a little fellow call me up one day and he says preacher we've been supporting you he just been, took, he took over the church and he said preacher uh, been, this church has been supporting you for 10 years for the ministry down here. And we don't even get a letter from you. I said you know what? I don't reckon I ever asked you to take me on. I was on the phone. And I said when I'm writing letters. I'm going to have to take away from what I'm doing. Now you've just done the thing that you need to do. I got a telephone. I'll call you every once in a while. And I do call them. The ones I can get in touch with. And I said, "If you don't like that, take us off your book." And you know what they done next month? The up, the increase, they increased. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They upped our support. And I said, "I didn't tell you to take us home." Amen. I used to go out on deputation before I learned better. Have you you heard people say, Deputation? What's that? Missionaries decide they're going to go to a certain field. They'll say, I'm going to a certain place. And I had one one time, and he said, God wants me to go to a certain place, Haiti or something. I don't want it, wasn't Haiti, it was another place. And I said, You know what? The door's closed there. You can't get missionaries in that. He said, Oh, but God told me I'm going. And about six months later, I got a letter from him and he said, Preacher, said, the door's closed. I said, I told you that six months ago. He said, I'm going to go to another country now. Well, how did you get that mixed up? I've always went where God wanted me to go. And everywhere I went, God has supplied my need to get there and do it. I've been pastoring for 50, almost 54, 55 years. And I've never been out of a pastorate but for six months and that's because I got ornery on God and told God I wanted to sit on a pew and be like everybody else and be a deadbeat Baptist. And I said, just let me sit in the church somewhere under a pastor and I did. And I sat on the front row I told that preacher, I said, brother, I'll do anything I can. I'll go knock on the door for you. I'll go visit the hospital for you. I'll clean the bathrooms. Whatever you want done, I'll pick up the trash. You just tell me what you want. He never did ask me to do anything. But I sat there on the front row and I'd amen him and back him up. I'd hug his neck. I'd say, I love you. Hey, I never talked about him. I didn't say anything against him. I loved him. Because I knew what the other side of that pew was. I knew what it was in the pulpit. I know what it is to carry the load from the pulpit. I know what it is for church members to talk about the preacher, talk about the preacher's wife, talk about the preacher's kids. When you're trying to help them. I told you it's gonna get tough. This is right, and so I he had preached me every once in a while, and I went home one Sunday after church, and I went over and got down to my prayer altar and I said, "Oh God, I'm sorry, you hitched me up to preach, and i don't worry, I don't have no word to preach you've you, you hitch me up and you give me something I've never had to." I've never had to do like they're doing today, send out a resume to a church and ask them how much they're going to give me. Never have I ever asked a church how much you pay. But I know a lot of preachers do. And I said, oh God, please... Let me get in and I'll stay in it this time. I won't, I won't even want to get out no more. And hey, that's been many years ago. And brother, I've never wanted to get out. Listen, I've got tired of the job. I've got upset at the job. I've got mad at things that's happened around me. But I want to tell you something. I still love to come and pastor this church. Because God put me here. Amen. I know a lot of churches right now have shut down. I heard on the news this afternoon that about half the churches have closed down since COVID. I don't know what churches they are. I'm sure they're all denominations. And then they said, well, most of them are liberal churches. And I said, well, name me a few that ain't liberal in this modern time. I sat over oh, there at those fellas this morning and I told them about what we did yesterday and putting these books together and mention a little bit about this little letter here. And, and I said, we don't charge a thing. And this one fella, he looked at me and he said, how do you pay for it? I said, the Lord above. Amen. He said, but how do you get your money? I said, "The Lord above." He said, "How do you get that?" I said, "Well, sometimes we get in a we get in a need for something. We have, we just start praying over that need, and God will answer it. He'll give us money or give us the materials. If a machine tires up, He gives us wisdom to fix it on Brother Virgil, Brother Virgil just fixed our little folding machine down yonder. I just about give up on it. I just about ready. To light a fire under it, I wasn't mad at it. I just thought we'd done wore it out. Yeah. And he worked on it for about a month. And he said, "Hey, I believe I found one place. He says it's got a little burr right down here." And uh, we looked at it and couldn't figure. It, and uh, we took it apart, took it over. I helped him take it apart, and he got over there, and he worked on it with a piece of steel wool and sandpaper, slicked that thing down. One thing I can say about Brother Virgil, he's got something I ain't got. He's got a little patience and I ain't. And I just want to tell you that, Brother Virgil. Sometimes I get aggravated because you just keep on working when I think you ought to quit. I just want to tell you that. Sometimes I walk off and sit down over there and act like I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't. Because he just keeps on he put it back together. I helped him put it back together. And amen. You folded on all day yesterday, didn't you? Amen. It's wore out. Everything we got wore out. We got one machine that runs on rubber bands. <laughs> Brother Dallas will say, he said, Brother Virgil, need to work on this thing again. he'd go over and Brother Virgil will look at it. And he said, yep, rubber band broke. You put another one. Sometimes it's a different one. Sometimes it's a jam with staples get hung in it. And he sits over and works that. And Brother Virgil, uh, he, he's got uh, good eyes, better eyes than I have. He, get, he said, there's one right down in there broke. He'll, he'll work an hour. on I, <sighs> Getting it fixed and try it and there it'll work. God guides where God guides you. He will provide for you. Amen. Amen. So I just look at all this. Now, I said this while ago. I'm going to touch it again. A lot of preachers today are using church for employment, and they send resumes to churches that don't have pastors. I said this while ago, I have pastored for all these years, except for six months. I have never asked for a church. I've never put in an, uh, a resume. I've never filled out an obligation or what do, you, what do you call it, an employment application. And I don't intend to. I believe God will put a man in the pulpit where he wants him. I believe tonight we look at the scriptures and churches I see have all these little bitty business meetings. And they got to have conference. The first church I pastored had to have a Saturday night conference every month. They and I, I didn't pay no attention. I just did it, did it for years, went to the next church, did it there. One day it dawned on me where in the world did Paul have a conference churches vote on preachers every year vote on all kinds of officers every year and you've I've seen people get mad and upset because it didn't get somebody to be the do the job got upset because they got that one instead of this one and i even seen churches go outside the doors of the church and go down to the neighbor's house down there and bring them in and vote them in as a Sunday school teacher because they ain't been going to church. I say, my, my soul, if they're not going to church, why don't you want them to teach? Oh, I know why. Oh, we'll get them to church that way. Well, we're not into numbers. Amen. You uh, say, well, somebody ain't going to be here. Well, they won't be here Sunday, and I just, I, I just get, let it tire me all to pieces. And now somebody said, they ain't going to be here. And I said, well, so what? You just throw the ball at me, and I'll just knock it out of the park. And if you ain't here, I'll get somebody else to throw it. Amen. Now, if you're sick, I'll worry about you. I'll pray over you. Amen. Our churches don't grow because of these things. I'm going to... Oh, i got to get out of here. I'm going to have to come back and preach this. We've come to the place now... You know what we substitute for all the stuff we're supposed to have? Camp meetings and fellowship meetings. I love camp meetings. I go to them sometimes. I used to go to fellowship meetings. till when I went, found out that... The, as preachers, two or three preachers now you used to have one preacher. You get together and they call uh, on uh, people to pray, and uh, they'll say, "Who do you think ought to have the job preaching tonight?" And you will hear three or four men say the same man. That means they got in touch with God. Now the moderator, used to said, "Brother so and so going to preach twenty minutes, and brother so and so preach twenty minutes, and them two are trying to out preach each other." And it's preacher's contest. Camp meetings, they're good. But what happened to the revivals and evangelism? That's what we need. All we try and do is make everybody feel good, pat them on the back and shout a while. I do that every Sunday. I do that every service. I do that at the house. I do that driving the car. You don't have to stir me up. Just mention the name of Jesus and I get excited. Amen. Is that right, Brother Virgil? You see me every day down there. Praise God. Y'all see me here in the service? It's not a put on. I love God. He loves me. Hallelujah. i shout off of that. Well, 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 well. Got all these doctors who got degrees. They call themselves doctors. But I thought God give me a thought about that today. You know what a doctor does? He practices medicine. So these preachers so want to call themselves doctors. Why don't they practice their Christianity? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I got about halfway through. I'll get the rest of it so